Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to another edition of Pirates Talk. The show has been on a bit of a summer hiatus, but beginning with today's program, I'll again ramp up the content. Thank you for all who have listened over the course of the launch of Pirates Talk. Your feedback and your comments regarding the content and how much you've enjoyed it are very much appreciated. And it's important to me to get that feedback because as much as I've enjoyed doing this show, as the saying goes, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make any noise? So thank you for the interaction. I have a special guest today. He was the first Seton Hall baseball player to have his number retired. He helped the Pirates to consecutive appearances in the College World Series in 1974 and 1975. He was a two-time All-American, drafted seventh overall by the Cleveland Indians in the 1975 Major League Baseball Draft. And he went on to an 18-year career, during which he played for both the Mets and the Yankees, including a World Series appearance, and one memorable showdown with the boss, George Steinbrenner. Recently, he was announced as a member of the 2020 College Baseball Hall of Fame induction class, along with Paul Molitor, Gary Gentry, and Doug Alt, among others. And it's a pleasure to welcome number 15, Rick Cerrone, to Pirates Talk. Rick, thank you very much for giving me a few minutes of your time, and congratulations on this latest honor. Well, thank you, Matt. I, I, you know what? It's been a long time uh, since I've played at Seton Hall, but this is, a, this is very special. I mean, this is, you're talking about the best college baseball players of all time, and they don't, well, you know, the East Coast doesn't get a whole lot of credit. We can play, <laughs> and, and we have to deal with elements. So this is very special for me, and it's, I think it's even more special for Seton Hall University, which I love. Well, tell us how the association with the Hall began. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it really never began. I got a, what, what happened was at a high school, I went to Essex Catholic High School, all boys. We had great teams in all sports because you had, it was all boys with 2,000 students to choose from. I was a quarterback. I uh, started quarterback there for two years. I had 60 football scholarships and none for baseball. Zero. So I was, well, what? but I wanted in college to play football and baseball. I, I, I loved both sports. I couldn't make up my mind. The only college that was offering me scholarship that would let me do both was the University of Rhode Island. I was going to be their starting quarterback. And then out of the blue, Mike Shepard kept haunting me about playing American Legion baseball, which I never did because I was always, you know, you had football practice. You had this, you had to get ready for football. But I, I don't know what made me, well, what made me decide? He says, he, he got me. He said, there's an all-state catcher, Armando Leonardo, coming out for my team, for the American Legion team in Belgrade. He says, I think you're a better player. You didn't get picked for a team all-state. I said, no. So he kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit there. Give me the, the, the urge. <laughs> Love it, it worked. I, it worked because he knows me. He knows the competitor that I am. I mean, I should have made first team all state. That's the way I felt. But you know what? I didn't. Armando did. And we, we had a competition for two days. I outplayed him. He left to go play on a different team. And I, I wound up playing for Shep's team. Who He, he was actually the assistant coach then uh, for Chuck Schnabel. And we wound up doing very well. We won the, the title. We went on to regionals. And then out of the blue, he came up to me on August 1st. And he says, I don't have a scholarship. 
But if I find one, would you want to just stay home and play baseball? And you know what? As a, a 17, 18 year old kid, going away from your parents and going away from your neighborhood, it's a huge decision. Huge decision. And and you know what? I was uncomfortable because I had taken a trip up to Rhode Island. And and you know, I'm five foot eleven at the time, about 180. 180 pounds and i'm saying geez these guys are monsters up here you know wherever i went to recruit you know the i went out to ohio state i'm like these are monsters and i said i used to came back and i tell my friends i said they're biggest buildings and i'm gonna be the quarterback i said maybe i'm gonna get hurt i you know you have a little doubt so shep wound up finding me a scholarship and um i guess they say the rest is history we just um you know it was it was Something that, and, and the best advice I ever had. First of all, my dad was a little disappointed. My dad's old school Italian. You make a commitment to Rhode Island, he wants me to live up to that. So I had a tough time convincing him. But the best advice I got was from my high school football coach, Bob Tagliari. Called him up and I said, Coach, you're not going to be happy with me. So what's the matter? I said, I'm, I'm, I want to go to um, Seton Hall and play baseball only. He says, okay, do me a favor. I'll handle Rhode Island. Not a big deal. Don't worry about that. He says, but always be committed. Don't be one of those guys that looks back and say, I wish I could have done this different. I wish I could have done that. What would have happened if I went here? He says, be committed to what you do. Best advice I ever had. We're still great friends. Tag's 80 years old now. And um, that was great advice uh, from my, my high school football coach. And as you said, as you go into Seton Hall, the rest is history. I have a funny feeling Shep knew he would be able to find that scholarship. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he didn't leave a lot to chance. Well, I'll tell you how he found it. It was through Finn Tracy because his, his son, Frank, was the third baseman on a baseball scholarship, did not have to be on a baseball scholarship because and, – and Shep describes the story as a lot of drinks down the Jersey Shore <laughs> – <laughs> to convince Finn Tracy, who was a legendary basketball, baseball coach at Seton Hall Prep. Absolutely. To, to let his son go to school on a regular scholarship, which didn't affect Finn, uh, Frank. And we're still good friends. I'm, I'm, the one thing that you'll know with me is that I'm very good. I'm loyal to my, my college buddies. I always have parties. And it's amazing. My father kept some unbelievable scrapbooks. And every, I mean, every game that Seton Hall was in, he cut it out, put it in a, in a binder. So what I would do is I invite 10 guys over, we have a barbecue, and I just happen to put the two, two or three books out on the table, you know, scrapbooks. And it's funny, you get Rico Bellini, our captain, or Marty Caffrey, they look and they say, boy, I was a pretty good player. Boy, <laughs> I did this. I didn't realize hitting a home run here, you know, and, and, and it's, you know what, it's memories that you never forget. And especially because we were so tight that we went to the College World Series. We wound up playing against the number one team in the country, Florida State. I think they were 54 and 8. And we beat them 11 nothing. You know, so the memory is there. The, the, and the, the time that we had in college is unreplaceable. So that's why this means so much to me to be. These are the best college players in the entire country. Think about all the guys that play college baseball, Division Two, II, Division Three, Division One, teams that make it to the World Series, coaches. I mean, this is a big honor, and I just wanted to get some publicity out there. 
um, and notoriety for Seton Hall and that we can play over here in the East. Well, they have proven that the Pirates over the many years that they have played baseball, and you're right, the South and the West uh, gets more notoriety. I mean, again, the weather does help them, but the toughness of the East Coast guy cannot be underestimated. And that group, I will tell you, I, I graduated from high school in 1975, uh, had accepted, uh, after Seton Hall accepted me, I said, I'll accept your acceptance. And I remember listening in my kitchen. I had Uh-oh. no idea. I had no idea that a year later, I would walk across campus because I was a freshman in the fall of 75, that I would right. walk across the campus to WSOU and check it out. And that would lead me on a path to a career. What I was interested in going to Seton Hall was getting a business degree. So that's the backdrop. But I loved sports and I was listening to WSOU. This is my school. Now, 74, I'll be honest, I don't know that I recall that Seton Hall went to the World Series, but 75, I'm about to go to the school. I'm listening in my kitchen to WSOU broadcasting the games. And I remember listening to that run into the College World Series and being thrilled that that's the school I was going to go to. Of course, you got drafted that June, and I never got a chance to see you play, but it was the start of a love affair with Seton oh, Hall. That is nice. But you know who was on the radio was Bob Lee. Yeah, good friend of and mine. Joe Sanchez. Yes. And, that, you know, Bob Lee was the first guy ever at ESPN. I mean, come on. We, oh, had, we had a lot of fun there. It was, it, it was a Hall of Fame crew all the way around. Well, Bob, of course, at WSOU, as you mentioned, and then – Later on, he started uh, as the first sports director at a company called Suburban Cablevision before he went to ESPN. And Bob one day, and this is not about me, this is about you, so I'll get back on track with you. But uh, Bob one day comes across the uh, Walsh gym floor because TV3, the local station that he was the sports director of, was broadcasting an Essex County basketball semifinal. And he Uh, walks across the gym into WS. Yeah, exactly. Walks into WSOU, uh, his old haunts. It had only been a few years since he had graduated. Runs into me because I was doing some games. He said, hey, uh, I can offer you this little internship. I can't pay you, but you can learn some things. Come over to East Orange. We've got this TV station. And so I've had a friendship with Bob through Seton Hall and WSOU over these many years. No, uh, the the Hall's... uh, uh, yeah, love affair uh, between me and the hall is, is pretty great. Anyway, so back to your club. You're still, you, you maintained contact and you're loyal to these guys. I was going through the list just to refresh my memory. And you mentioned some of them, you know, Marty Caffrey, Enrico Bellini, but Teddy Schoenhaus and Greg Jameson. Charlie oh. Paleo was just a young pup compared to you. Lenny Glazensky. Todd Heimer is the one who shut out Florida State. Talk exactly. To, big, to, big Todd is left-handed knuckleballer. Yes, they exactly. didn't know what to do with the knuckleball. He <laughs> shut him out. <laughs> so how did you handle a knuckleball? Well, you know what? We didn't have big gloves then. We just used the regular glove. And, and you know, they weren't going to buy two gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Not like the big leagues where you get spoiled. But you know what? It worked, and Todd was good. His knuckleball was kind of predictable a little bit. It always came because it was left-handed. It came down and in, down and in. Anything that you could predict, you can catch. When I got to the big leagues, I had to catch Phil and Joe Necro. Well, sometimes their ball would start to go down and then go up, a knuckleball. It's, it's, it's the hardest thing to catch in the world. I used to have nightmares the night before catching them <laughs> because they would throw it hard and would go all over the place. But um, yeah, Todd Heimer, we had Mike Rota, Vinnie Byron, Danny Morgiello. We had a, 
we had a good bunch of guys and, and guys that came to play every day and, and enjoyed the competition. And, and that made, that's what made it so much fun. Did you guys realize coming off of 74, like what was the thought going into, into 75? Like, okay, let's, yeah, let's be better. Matt, we almost did not make the, t- the playoffs in 75. This is what everybody says. Your memory is unbelievable. We lost to CCNY at the little field across the street from Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. CCNY, we used to win on an average score of 20 to 4. They beat us 9 to 8 on that little field. They turn a double play. It forces a three-way tie for the title of the conference. So Fordham gets a bye. We wind up having to play in the first round. We win. We win the second game. We beat Fordham. We go on to the regionals. We almost did not make it my junior year. But we we knew we were confident. We knew we had a good team. It was, of course, much easier because back then, the College World Series, you had teams representing the country. So every year, somebody from the East Coast had to go. Now they don't do that. Now they go based on the biggest stadiums and, you know, they'll, they'll put seven, te- seven of the eight teams from California. They're, they're all worried. You know, it's all about the, it's all about the dollars and the, putting the fans in the stands, but um, we knew we had a good team and um, we had a lot of fun doing it. We had, <laughs> <laughs> we, I can't tell stories, but we did, we played our, my junior year, we played a tournament in Deland, Florida which were, I, I guess the Grom went to, mm-hmm. and that was our, our, our spring tournament. I think we wound up winning that tournament. Um, but we stole the, the team bus. We went to Daytona Beach. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine doing stuff like this nowadays? Oh, my God. We drove the bus on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Shep says, what happened to the bus? I, I didn't see it in the parking lot. Don't worry about what happened to it. We, uh, and I think it was... Uh, I think it was like a nickel a beer in 1975. So we were we were a very tra- well traveled team. We had a lot of fun together, and, and but um, yeah, Shep never knew where that bus went. <laughs> and there's not much that Shep didn't know that was going on with his program. Uh, that's for sure. What a, what a great man, and uh, certainly we we miss him. What was your relationship like with him? Because he was well, a catcher. Uh, it was tough. It was we, we butted heads a lot. I mean, my first game, you know, the story's infamous now. My first game I ever played for Shep uh, in the in the spring of '73. Uh, yeah, spring of '73. We we didn't have a tournament. We went down to Florida. We stayed at Biscayne College, and we played like Miami Dade. We played Florida International, Florida Atlantic. We had all these uh, games down there, Montclair State. Um. And my first game playing for him, I must have popped off to him because we butted heads a lot. He was a tough Irishman. I was a tough Italian kid, cocky. So he pulled me out of the game. He said, get away from me. Don't I want to see you. Get out of here. I said, what do you mean get out of here? Get get out. You're out. Go to the outfield and run. I said, what do you mean run? He said, run foul line to foul line. I don't want to see you. Well, we played the last three innings of the game. I'm still running foul line to foul line and, <laughs> and boiling, boiling, right? Now, all of a sudden, the team's on the bus. Marty Caffrey, the captain of the team, says, uh, hey, Chef, you got Rick still running out there. The lights are turned off. 
He said, okay, somebody go get him. And I'm telling you what, that night I was fuming. I mean, I mean, I never been. That's you know, but but again, it was because I was. I mean, I, I'm too cocky. I was. I was. I mean, cockiness was. I guess as a good player, you have to have that cockiness. But I mean, sometimes you got to keep your mouth shut. And I, I had I always had a trouble doing that. <laughs> Even when I played for the Yankees, when I got Steinbrenner in the clubhouse the one year in the playoffs. <laughs> in 1981, I mean, I guess, we, we may I get. Guess, we'll get to that. You can't take the Nork out of the guy. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, and toughness is is what helped you succeed. Uh, in addition to developing your talent, what other memories do you have? Not so much on the baseball side at Seton Hall, but just your years there on the campus. Well, one of the one of the big things I I love and I I always bring up, you know, I'm a two time All American baseball player, but a two time academic All American. So the, the, always I, they always stress academics. Scholar athlete in high school and college, you have to be a scholar athlete, meaning you got to go to class, you got to study, you got to put your time in. Now, it cost me with the Cleveland Indians when they drafted me number one, was the only team I never spoke to. My plan all along was to whatever happened in the draft, go back to Seton Hall and graduate on time. A lot of guys, when they sign as a junior, they do not, they don't do that. So, I mean, I made sure I did it. It got, you know, what, well, how did it affect? Well, see, Cleveland Indians sat me on the bench for the next 60 days when they called me up. Huh. Unheard of. You could, they wouldn't be able to do that nowadays. They would be crucified in the media. But I'm their number one pick. They signed me. They bring me to big leagues. And they sit me on the bench for 60 days because I wouldn't go to play winter ball in Mexico. But I always felt the education was very, very important. I got my degree on time. The one good thing Cleveland did was they flew me back to graduate with my senior class. Um, again, in uh, 76, they brought me up to the big leagues and sat me on the bench again. And, wow. and I made, I was a triple A all-star catcher. And they, they, you know, I said, I'd rather be in triple A playing. I mean, you can't get any better sitting on the bench. And it was just a tough, very, very difficult experience. I survived it. I was lucky to go to Toronto. I was, and then, of course, I came to the Yankees and, and made a nice career. I mean, it wasn't a career that I thought. I thought I would be a better player in the big leagues. But unfortunately, I had lots of injuries. I broke my thumb three times. And, you know, it, it's, it was a long career. It was, I've had a great life. I wound up broadcasting. I've owned minor league baseball teams. I currently uh, had – well, you wonder how does the degree work? Well, the degree works because I own now – a the sports gambling network, which is sportsgrid.com. I've been involved in a lot of businesses after I retired, uh, real estate, mortgages, um, a lot of uh, sports marketing. So I've had a, a very diverse feel. And my biggest blessing is I got three great daughters, Jessica, Carly, and Nikki. I became a grandfather five months ago. Congratulations. No, it's a big thing. Thank God for FaceTime because I have not been able to pick them up yet. And, and, you know, because of the Corona and it's just, it's a crazy world we live in, but my motto's always been live life to the fullest and have fun. You got to enjoy what you're doing, man. I, you know, when my father worked in the post office 37 years and didn't like it. And his advice was always to me, do me a favor, whatever you do in life, make sure you enjoy going to work every day. And whatever you do, enjoy it. Don't suffer through it. And I've tried to bring that along to my children. 
make don't worry about how much money you make make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing and i think if you have influence on other people that makes your life rewarding so that's my that's what i remember about seton hall small campus we had lots of funds believe it or not i mean you had a pub on campus back then you could oh. drink in Oh, I, I mean, remember. I spent I many mean, a night you know, there. <laughs> Thursday well, nights were always very popular. You don't popular. remember Bruce Springsteen uh, as a, in playing in the pub in 1973 by himself. Incredible. And then in 1976, he came back. He sold out the arena in like 20 seconds. But, I mean. You I know, didn't realize I, Springsteen played at the pub? <laughs> <yeah>. Wow. <laughs> I remember, I remember him playing at Walsh because the line oh, outside the oh, student was, center yeah. for, for for Mrs. Aid. Hopefully, Jean Aid oh. would be able to get you a ticket if you you know if you were. She, what a great woman! But oh, it, you just, and you know what, Matt? You know, Jean Aid just got into the Seton uh, Hall Hall of Fame. Yep, yep. And then she's a great lady. Oh my! Always put a smile on your face when you said hello. Always. How about that crew we had? We had. P.J. Carlissimo, no, uh, P.J., I'm sorry, uh, Bill Raftery, mm-hmm. yeah, Richie Regan, Mel Knight. I mean, I, I I was surrounded by great people. And I got a funny one last story. You, you mentioned Seton Hall. Well, I'm, I'm from Newark, right? So I get there on campus, and they give you a, a, a card, basically, to go into the bookstore. And you get anything you want. I'm on full scholarship. So... You know, being from Newark, I, I figured I'd work a little scam. I was getting T-shirts and books and going outside and selling them for half price. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so Richie Regan is the athletic director. Called me in the office after the first week. He says, um, first of all, sit down. He says, this stops right now. I said, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean it stops? He says, you know, I know the little scam. You're not the first guy that takes the card and gets the sweatshirt. I said, you know, somebody came in and broke in my room. <laughs> Richie <laughs> goes, all right, stop it. He says, it stops now. And he says, listen, the other thing, Ricky Cerrone is not a big league player's name. Rick Cerrone is a big league player's name, and I hear you got a chance. So from now on, every press release we do, it's Rick. I said, okay. And, and I, I make sure I lock my windows in my door. <laughs> <Richie>. <laughs> But I had, I mean, you had Bill Raftery. I mean, Raft was the basketball coach. I mean, we have, we still have so much fun because I live down in Florida. He, Raft smells the red wine, no matter where I am. If, if the, we, I could be at the Utiki bar in, in Jupiter. He smells the red wine. He shows up. It's amazing. <laughs> What a great guy. Hadi Mahan is assistant. You oh, mentioned Mel Knight. And, oh, and, 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 and of course, the late Richie Regan. Uh, you know, what a oh, gift yeah. to Seton Hall. A, a Newarker as well. So exactly. you, you couldn't pull the wool over his eyes. He knew right from the beginning. It stops today. I said, but he said, stop it. He said, stop it. And you know what? Good people around. Like I said, Shep, you know, the, the further I got away from the Seton Hall, the more I respected him. He was tough. I mean, he was really a Marine. He was, he was, he was very tough to play for, but he made you a better player. He made you have a harder shell that you need to survive. I mean, everybody says, well, that's crazy. You know, nowadays you can't do that. Of course you can't do it nowadays. You got a camera everywhere, but you know what? In the long run, he's not only working, worrying about how you play a baseball game. He's worrying about what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And, you know, you grow up a lot faster when you're in the street, when, when you travel a lot. Seton Hall gave me opportunities that nobody understands. I played for the USA team in Italy. 
I played for the Pan Am team in Florida. We won gold medals in, in Italy, the Intercontinental Cup, as a freshman. Well, sophomore year, after my sophomore year, I played up in Alaska against the best talent in the country. And, and um, the NBC tournament, we came in second to Fairbanks. Uh, played for the Pan Am Games after my sophomore year down in Florida, and we won the gold medal. And I, I always kidded, you know, Rico and Marty when I came back. I said I made all world. <laughs> you, guys, you guys worry about all American. I said I made all world. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and then go to College World Series two years. I mean, come on, that was the. I never was on a plane until I went to Seton Hall. Wow. And, and then uh, they just did a recent article. Oh, and I brought back the leisure suits in 1974. <laughs> you know, you're, you're too young, but you remember a leisure suit? Oh, l- listen, Rick, uh, as, as my late mother-in-law, God bless her, <laughs> Teresa Brady would say, we're in the same church, just in a slightly different pew. I'm, I'm close enough to you. As I said, uh, okay. I, I yeah. followed you right behind at Seton Hall. So, yeah, I do remember leisure suits. And I've got, oh a, I got a couple of beauties, too. With the re- And then maybe you'd have, like, then you'd get that three-piece suit with the reversible vest. Remember that? <laughs> I tell you, it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, but really, my freshman year was the first time I was ever, when we flew to Florida, that was the first trip we ever made. The first trip I ever played I was ever on. But Seton Hall gave me an opportunity. I'm very thankful. I never forget them either. Um, you know, I try to, to support them as, as well as I can. But I did say I, I live in Florida in the wintertime. Um, I, I travel the basketball. I follow the basketball and the baseball teams. I, I'm a big supporter. I, I, I love what they're doing. I think their campus is, you know, they're landlocked, unfortunately. But they they um, they've really come a long way. And I think this is a... A, a feather in my cap, but it's more so for Seton Hall. I think it's it's nice that we get the recognition. And I'm very, I mean, I've been very happy and very blessed. Well, it comes through shining in, in your comments. Uh, just a few more minutes, uh, if yep. we could, because who are you still closest with of that group of teammates that you had? Well, Rico Bellini, for sure. Rico was our captain, Marty Caffrey. My, my, you know, Ed Blankmeyer, the coach of St. John's, who now left is with the Mets. Uh, I mean, you name it, but Dan Morgiello, Charlie Palau, unfortunately. Greg Jameson just sent me a, a beautiful little note, texted me. Uh, he lives in Atlanta. I mean, we, we Ricky Spasta. I mean, we, <laughs> Tom Culber, Tommy Culber, you know, unfortunately, he's been in, uh, having Parkinson's. So all the guys get together once, twice a year to support the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And we support Tommy Cobra, who played left field for us. Uh, you know, Vinny Byron, you, we see Vinny every Sunday uh, protecting the Giants football coach on the sidelines. Yep. And, and uh, you know, Danny Morgiello. I, but we, we try to get together three, four times a year. We actually, believe it or not, we had 10 guys on a Zoom. It was the first time I ever heard about a Zoom but I was in Florida. Jack Cust was in Florida. Marty, Rico, Blanky, Boston. Uh, we had like t- 10 guys on. Dave Lombardi. I mean, my memory is very good. Those times were great. I, I always appreciated the camaraderie that we had. Unfortunately, I got to be honest, pro baseball is pro baseball. 
It's a professional sport that you get paid. And there's jealousies on who makes what and a lot of politics involved. And, and you know what? I had so much fun with those 50 people coming to Seton Hall games than I ever did. And I think I made the right decision not going to Rhode Island and going to Seton Hall. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say it, it did work out for you. The Yankee Conference missed your talents, the old Yankee Conference, but certainly Seton Hall. <laughs> no, Metropolitan. The Metropolitan League, it was called. Was it really? The Met, the Met Conference, yes. It, how about I got a funny Rhode, when, when you were at Rhode Island, that's what it was called? I meant no, Rhode, no, no, no. Oh, Rhode sorry, Island was Yankee. Yeah, yeah Yankee Conference. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. So the Yankee Conference oh, the missed Yankees, you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Met Conference in Seton Hall was. We actually played them in baseball at the University of Miami tournament. Really? And we we yeah, we beat up on them a little bit. There you go. I, I think I, but wait, the funny thing is, the night before the draft, the night before the draft, they're honoring. I think I was the Player of the Year in the Met Conference, our our conference. It wasn't the Big East back then, and it's a, a dinner at um, Shea Stadium. Well, the Mets have the sixth pick in the country. And they came to me, uh, Joe, uh, um, his son is now on the broadcast. Yeah, Joe McDonald, the GM. Joe McDonald was the GM. Jody is on the fan. Jody's down on in the Philadelphia, run. yep. Yep. And and they come to me and they say, oh, we're not going to be have a chance to get you. We know that you may be the number one pick in the country, but we know for sure that you won't go beyond the third or, or third or fourth with Detroit. They're, they're definitely going to take you. They said, but if we had the pick, we're going to take you. Well, they had the pick. They had the sixth in the country and I went seven so that's why I said you can't trust what people say <laughs> but I could have been drafted by the Mets in 1975 and who knows what would have happened but you know what things had a way of working out and you know what you get stronger for every little hurdle that you have and I think that's what made, made me a tougher player made me also a better businessman that you know you can't assume anything my biggest and best thing that I ever did, my legacy is really the North Bears. I know everybody's gonna say, "Well, wait a minute." After you sold them, they went bankrupt a bunch of times, and they're they're knocked down now. But I I put my heart into that stadium, and I got two cents to prove it. I was there eighteen hours a day building the North Bears and overseeing the construction, and I wanted to do something good for Newark. And and you know what? I always hired Seton Hall kids first. Dr. Ann Mayo was the business administrator there at Seton Hall. And I said, hey, Doc, send me four or five kids. I'll hire them right now. Your recommendations. We always did the games on WSOU. Mm-hmm. The signal was all over the place. I gave a lot of kids their, their opportunity. And I always favor the local kids from Seton Hall. You're from Seton Hall? I'll hire you. Come on down. And you know what? I, I, that's what I was most proud of. Um, unfortunately it didn't work out the way I thought and I, my health took a setback, but you know what? We all learn from things. Um, I just want Newark to come back and be the vibrant city that it was when I was growing up there. And I'm, I'm pulling that it does. Yeah. I mean, maybe- oh, you're involved there with the devils and yeah, yeah. I love the devils and everything that goes on with the performing arts center, but we need people there. Yeah. Man, we need people there every night, like Hoboken, going to the restaurants, going to the bars, hanging out. It's got to become a yuppie town, and, and maybe it will. I hope so. Yeah. I hope I get to see it. My, my observations are that it is trending that way, but uh, it, it probably needs to move a little farther along. But great strides have yeah. been made. The only shame about your bringing the Newark Bears back and getting that stadium built was that you were probably too far ahead of the curve. Like now, well, COVID aside, 
now yeah. it might have it might have worked. Just Newark wasn't quite there yet. I think there's enough positive momentum going oh, that yeah. it could have worked. But hey, you know. The- hey, but the the one thing that people don't realize is that I came very close to having a Yankee affiliate. Steinbrenner was for it. The lawyers were not. In other words, when I had, I knew I had the money in hand, I could buy a franchise. I used to own the Wilmington Blue Rocks in Delaware, an affiliated team with Kansas City. Affiliations are are big. And I went to George as soon as I knew I had the money and the funding for the stadium. Let's become partners. And he said, I don't have a real problem with that. I don't, you know, we're, we're not in the minor leagues, but you know, well, let's, let's look into it. And it just unfortunately never worked out. Oh, that's would a shame. Great, it would have been great if it was Trenton or Scranton, you know, it would have that Yankee affiliation sure. would have made a huge difference, but it didn't happen. And we learned from it, but Matt, I, I think we've been pretty good here. Life's been good. And so I'll just go to, and, and, and the time has been great. So this will be the last question because you mentioned okay. the dust up with George and you've just, we just ended with talking a little bit about George and what might've been. So 1981, uh, your, your world series appearance uh, with the yeah. Yankees. Uh, and there is a little blow up with George in the locker room. There's the tail end of the Bronx zoo, Reggie's still around, et cetera. Uh, what happened? Well, we, we, you know, they had a strike that year. 1981, uh, we didn't realize, I was a big player rep, union guy, and we didn't realize that the owners had strike insurance for 55 days. Uh, A miracle happened on the 54th day. The strike got settled. We got everything we wanted, but they got their Lords of London money. So that's who we were dealing with. And and they decided to split the season half and and have, you know, first half winner and a second half winner. The only reason they did that, because the Dodgers won their division, were leading, and the Yankees were leading prior to the strike. So if it wasn't the Dodgers and Yankees, they wouldn't have had that split season. That's that's. And then we played the Milwaukee Brewers, who are tough. They got matter of fact. I go into the College World Series, College um, Hall of Fame with Paul Molitor, my former teammate, and he was on that team, the Milwaukee team. They were tough. We beat them the first two games in Milwaukee. Now all we got to do is come home and win one out of three. But we lose a tough game Friday. We lose a tougher game Saturday. So now it's winner take all on Sunday. But it ha- what happened was I made a kind of a – drove in a couple of runs, but I made a, cu- a base running mistake. And prior – I strike out to end the game against Raleigh Fingers, a Hall of Famer, with the tying run on base. So I'm not in a great mood after Saturday's game. And by the time I take this, you know, get up to the dugout and into the clubhouse, Steinberg's in the middle of the clubhouse screaming, what kind of team is this? What kind of base running mistakes? What kind of garbage is this? So I thought he was talking to me, and I cursed him out. I said some things really for a bad mouth. I mean, I need soap in my mouth. I, I cursed him out in front of the whole team, told him we didn't need that stuff in here. Get out. I wanted to throw the owner out. <laughs> I wanted to throw the owner out of the clubhouse. And, and I'm so pissed off. Bobby Mercer came in between us. I was going to go choke him. I mean, I, I get my a temper. My daughter's never seen that, but I get a temper. So that's when George gave his general patent speech. He said, you know, if we lose tomorrow, the great Yankees will turn over in their grave. He said, Root, Garrick, and DiMaggio. Look, Joe D wasn't even dead yet. He's got him <laughs> <laughs> turning over in his grave. And nobody, I got to be honest with you, Matt, nobody would have known anything about the blow up because it was done before the press was in the room but reggie 
you mentioned Reggie Jackson. He went crazy. He says, this Sarong stood up to George. He threw him out of the clubhouse. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. But now, of course, Howard Cosell gets it. And they've got to do split screens the next day of, of a big thing. And, 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 and thank God I was nervous. I was scared to death. But we wind up winning on Sunday. And I hit a big home run in the eighth inning to give us a nice little cushion. I had a couple of hits, and we wound up winning. Goose scared me. I thought Don Money hit a grand slam, but it just went right to the wall to end the game. And um, the first question I got, they said, uh, Rick, uh, after you hit that home run in the eighth inning, did you feel like giving George Steinbrenner the finger? I said, are you guys out of your mind? Only in New York could you ask a question like that. I said, I was scared to death. I don't even remember running around the bases. All I cared about was winning the game. And um, but that's our that's our Steinbrenner story. And you know what? I, I think George appreciated my my fierceness, I guess, my craziness. But I think think back. I mean, the next they gave me a standing ovation, but I cursed out my my owner. I guess I've got to learn to keep my mouth shut more. <laughs> well, there's still some time left to do that, Rick, but uh, yeah. your approach to life has served you well, as we've mentioned. And I know time has gone on probably longer than you thought, but the stories have been great. The honor is yours for going to the College Baseball Hall of Fame uh, with uh, an illustrious class. Your place in Seton Hall history is secure. You've had a great run in the major leagues, et cetera. Sounds like life uh, you owe life nothing, life owes you nothing, but you're going to live it to its fullest. And, exactly. Uh, and, 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 we, fun. And, and I thank you very much for your time. Matt, this has been great. Um, I hope I didn't take too long of your time. And I've got some uh, vivid imagination and my, my memory is good. And, and I thank God that I made the right choice to go to Seton Hall. And, and it's great to be uh, in the College Baseball Hall of Fame with a couple of my teammates, Paul Molitor and Doug Alt, get inducted this year as well. So it's some great memories. Thanks again. And thank you for sharing them. Be well. There are so many topics we could have touched upon with Rick. We barely discussed his major league career, for instance. But the show is Pirates Talk, and so Seton Hall takes top billing. And it's clear from the joy-filled tone of his voice and his recollections of his days on the South Orange campus that Rick Cerrone is one very proud Setonian. And speaking of proud moments, a personal note here. Recently, I was unanimously approved to serve a two-year term on the Seton Hall Alumni Board of Directors. As I stated when I was interviewed for the position, I am humbled by the honor. Seton Hall and WSOU-FM, its award-winning student-run radio station, have been instrumental in my professional life. The traits I learned on the campus and at the radio station have been qualities that have carried me to a 40-year career in the media world, one that I could have only hoped for when I first walked into WSOU. I hope that I can give as much back to the university as I have received from it. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk. Thank you for your company. Until next time, be safe, be well. So long, everyone.